Full Disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. Today you can work for a corporation on the 20th floor of a building that houses thousands of people and walk in one day and 2,500 of them have just been laid off. That's the way business runs. There isn't loyalty from the corporate world to the individual. There doesn't need to be loyalty for the individual to the corporate world. It's really time, I think, for independents to have the same breaks that anyone else does. The coronavirus pandemic and its various economic shocks will beget millions of layoffs and ultimately, by force or by choice, a surge in the ranks of independent freelancers. In an unprecedented social experiment, everyone is suddenly working from home, Zooming, FaceTiming, making snap decisions on their time. Brand Federation, one of the nation's largest networks of independent marketing consultants, has important thoughts on this sea change. So do stay with us. Full Disclosure airs on NPR member station VPM News, using the power of media to educate, entertain, and inspire. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts at link fulldradio.com. Joining me from a secure, undisclosed location in observance of smart social distancing are ad industry veterans Kelly O'Keefe and Matt Williams. They are with Brand Federation, one of the nation's largest networks of independent, on-demand marketing consultants. How are you, gentlemen? Great, Robin. Doing really well, Robin. I mean, considering, because I personally, I'm trying to offer you social distancing. I'm uh, 20 yards beneath a grain silo in North Dakota. No, no, just kidding. We're all trying to make this happen. If you hear funky noises and kids running around everything, uh, all you people listening out on NPR One and iTunes and everything, understand that this is just the nature of the business right now. This is rustically chopped radio in a time of crisis. And I'm just so grateful that uh, you two decided to join us this week. We are happy to be here. And we're also observing safe social distance. Very good. Well, start with me, uh, Kelly O'Keefe. You were recently with the Brand Center, the the famous advertising uh, program. You are an ad exec yourself. You've taught this for years. I want to give the listeners a sense of, of, of the various cyclical and secular shocks that the advertising industry and the related industries have taken. We, we keep getting told that the agency of record model, you know, the old um, Mad Men model where you show up, you're uh, Nabisco or something, and you give everybody the keys to the kingdom. They do digital, they do TV, they do print. All of that has been smashed into 50 million pieces. What exactly is going on? I I think we're seeing radical change in the advertising industry and in a variety of ways. It's being disrupted by new technologies. It's being disrupted by a changing attitudes of consumers who are really in more control than ever before. It's being disrupted by cynicism that's been inspired by false advertising in the past, which makes consumers less likely to embrace the messages they're hearing. So there's a lot that's going on that is sort of pulling apart the industry at its seams. Well, what is it about, uh, you know, this has been an economic boom, but the ad agencies have been contorting and have been uh, consolidating regardless. It seems to be, yes, we do know about the duopoly of Google and Facebook hoovering up all of the ad revenue that used to go to fat, you know, big full page ads and and, and juicy campaigns. We know about the hit of of DVR, of uh, Craigslist. Um, Still, you would think that this being a cyclical industry, when the economy does well and, and budgets are flush, that it would disproportionately benefit those models. Well, the revenues for advertising in general broadly are up, but the way that the advertising industry is benefiting from that is um, has changed a lot. What we've seen, um, if we go back 50 years to almost the golden age of advertising, when we could buy advertising on three 
different networks, 30 mm. seconds at a time. Ad agencies could reap the benefit of 15%, actually 17.65 to be precise, of the uh, margin for spending that money, just kind of free money. And everyone in advertising seemed to have a beautiful, brightly colored sports car. That was a simpler world, right? You could say plop, plop, fizz, fizz, or uh, you're in good right, hands with right. Allstate. And consumers actually believed <laughs> you were in good hands with Allstate. Nothing against Allstate. Mm. But um, now we have hundreds of channels just on television. Of course, most people are watching video content not through their traditional television, but on Netflix, on Amazon, even now on Apple. Um, on their phones, uh, we have digital advertising and hundreds of different tactics from experiential to physical to digital. Um, there is no agency that can control all of that territory effectively. And so we've gone from the integrated advertising model where one agency handled everything for a particular client as an agency of record to a disintegrated advertising model where there are hundreds of innovative shops popping up everywhere doing something better than an ad agency can do it. Whether they're better at experiential, better at digital, better at brand strategy. Um, and all of those smaller, more innovative businesses are starting to really rise up, whereas ad agencies who once looked like really, really creative organizations are starting to look a little long in the tooth. Matt Williams, you were at the Martin Agency, the uh, award-winning ad agency in Richmond, Virginia, for what, a quarter century? 26 years. 26 years, and that was traversing a whole lot of boom and bust and boom and bust. And we call this in the trade an exogenous shock, what's happening now with the coronavirus pandemic. And I say full disclosure, I don't want the listener ever thinking that this is mercenary. We're talking about life and death and being safe and, and, and sick people and the system. But the conversation is also about enormous companies that are immediately looking at their budgets. And then when they see revenue uh, prospects absolutely fall off a cliff, I've always I've I've always pitied the advertising agencies, the ad execs in moments like that because if you're pulling straws, you immediately go after the chief marketing officer, you immediately go after something that's looked at as so discretionary. Of course we could kill the ad campaign. Um this is like a hyper cyclical industry. What has been your experience in times like what 9/11 and and I guess the closest analog we have to this is 2008-2009. Yeah, and and you know, I lived the disruption that Kelly was talking about firsthand for a long time. And, you know, when the, when those kind of exogenous shocks, as, as, as we call them, uh, when they hit, they they really send ripples through the advertising business. Because you're right, Rob, and that advertising has traditionally been one of the hardest things to quantify. And when you can't quantify it, it's really easy to cut it. Um, I think that the smarter companies that I've seen in those times have been the ones who haven't cut advertising to the bone. They've been the ones who have said, you know, now is a good opportunity for us to make smart use of our advertising dollars to lean into some of these some of these crises and maintain the strength of our brand through them. And and those 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 companies have tended to come out the other side stronger than the companies who have cut their advertising to the bone. So what would it be like? You would get that call. Just take me back to your past life. And you'd have to talk a client off the ledge or defer billables. I mean, this is in, right now, real time. This is this is a true global economic crisis, and everybody is looking at at means of uh, deferring expenses, husbanding revenue. Even the IRS is saying you can have a delay on quarterly taxes and the like. 
the hardest value proposition, I imagine, uh, from any professional services person is coming in and saying that we are indeed mission critical. You don't want to throw us out with anything else perceived that as, as kind of, uh, you know, fat or gristle. Yeah, you know, there's there's two parts of that conversation, I think. One part is let's not cut the budget down to zero because if we disappear, we're not going to come out healthy on the other end of this of this crisis. The other conversation is, okay, if we're going to maintain our presence, which we think is a smart thing to do, what should that presence look like? And and I think that's that's a really complicated problem in situations like this because people's reactions to advertising change dramatically when they go through uh, a, a kind of shock and disruption like we're going through right now. Um, and we, we saw it in 2008. We saw it in 9-11 where, you know, people tend to kind of retreat. And and the, the traditional advertising messages that used to resonate a month ago don't resonate nearly the same way. Um, and advertisers have to be really careful about how they handle the very fragile psyche of consumers in, in situations like today. You know, one of the big turnoffs this week, you could see it all over social media. And I always wanted to kind of shake my fist at the sky, Kelly O'Keefe, is, is all of these companies who uh, somehow got my email through uh, uh, you know, a transaction, it could have been a donut shop or something, or in one case, a pair of insoles that I bought in, in uh, 2011, right? Emailing me this week to say that they're caring about me and that they're going to be there for me and the like. And, and I wonder who's advising them. And I wonder uh, at what point is it, is it kind of too much? Do you want to just step out of the way. It's not about you. I understand we're all worried about things. We want to be front and center, but people are being bombarded with information right now and disproportionately not thinking about uh, advertising campaigns or, 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 or more apt to get annoyed by things like those, Kelly. I mean, how, you know, it seems to be like in this vacuum, everybody is just trying to say something on their own. Oh, it's easy to be tone deaf at a time like this and to over-communicate. We have to remember that, um, any message that we send to a consumer is not going to be the only message mm. they read that day. And most of us are spending a little bit more time at home than we're used to, and we're spending a little bit more time watching the news than we used to. We probably already know a lot of the things that are contained in those emails we keep getting on a regular basis from brands, in some cases that we've never heard of it. So, yeah, it, there's a real challenge of over-communicating and, and striking the right tone and I also think, you know, one of the things that, that we believe that the clients that we work with need to take into account is we're right now just at the beginning of what is going to be a crisis that's going to be with us for a while. And those beginning stages, whether it was 911 or the 2000 crash of the dot-coms or the 2008 recession, at the beginning of, of big changes like this, we're facing the unknown and the consumer is facing the unknown and the unknown is a very difficult thing to face. Better that we feel like, okay, it's gonna be bad, but we know what we've got a handle on it, but right now nobody has mm. a handle on it. So when you're, when you're shoving information to people when they're really not ready to receive it or process it, it can come off exactly the wrong way. Uh, Matt, I was thinking of you last night. Uh, I had binged, I think, while this coronavirus pandemic was was emanating out. I found comfort in binging on Netflix uh, the first four seasons of Better Call Saul, which is the prequel to Breaking Bad, which I enjoyed immensely on AMC uh, several years ago. It's nice. I mean, escapism is wonderful. I was in Manhattan during uh, September 11th, uh, during the financial crisis and everything. And you got to, after a whole day of, you know, getting the kids on on, on a Zoom or go to meeting to go to school and 
handling you know grocery deliveries and and masks and whatnot you you just want your mind to to drift off and i did and i finished the first four seasons and the the fifth season is available on comcast infinity on demand uh but they make me watch ads which i have the urge i have my finger on the fast forward button on comcast on demand to get past those ads um, and I think that it must be so hard to rest the bone from the dog's mouth when you have already realized uh, Netflix or HBO Max or Disney Plus as being the ad-free standard, um, you know, binging ad-free many seasons at a time. We're doing that now. That, that kind of ship has sailed. That horse is out of the barn. Why are companies spending money on something like that? Yeah, you know, a um, couple of thoughts on that, Robin. The first is I shudder to think why you were thinking of me when you were watching Better Call Saul. But, um, I, you know, I, I think advertising broadly has changed so much that, that, that advertising doesn't mean what it used to mean, you know, right? We used to think of advertising as interrupting my show. And now when the option is to not have advertising interrupt my show, I'm probably going to choose that option. So I, I, as we think about how we work at Brand Federation with clients, it's less about let's come up with a 30-second ad that earns the, the right to interrupt somebody's show than it is about how can we think strategically about the way a brand should come to life in the world? What should it stand for? How should it behave? Um, and what can it do to earn the attention that it's asking for from its audience? And it's hard to earn that attention. You, 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 have, to, you have to deserve it. Um, and that means you have to say something relevant, you have to say it in an interesting way, and you, you have to bring it to life in a way that people want to spend time with it. And it's it's harder and harder to do. But I, I think it goes back to your one of your first questions about this the disruption in the advertising business. It's it, it it as much as it has been disrupted, the one thing that hasn't changed is that brands will always need uh, great strategy, great strategic thinking, and creative ideas to bring that strategic thinking to life in the world. That's always going to be true. The form of that is going to change dramatically. And that's, I think, what you're talking about in your question. The, the form has changed. But, but we always have to be mindful of how we bring our clients' brands to life in the world in a way that earns the attention we're asking for from the, from the consumers. I got to ask you, out of curiosity, so many people have been talking about the uh, unique uh, almost hand-in-glove cataclysm this has been for Walt Disney Corporation, which is one of the most envied of the media conglomerates. It's a Dow Jones you know, blue chip. It has the theme parks. It has ABC. It has Pixar. It has the Star Wars franchise. It has a, a motion picture library and whatnot. And don't ESPN, forget ESPN. ESPN, which was a cash cow, uh, Kelly O'Keefe, I mean, which was almost like a license to print money and extort until recently uh, with with cord cutters and cable has kind of thrown a wrench into that. But you have these guys, you you know, live sports has been shut down, right? ESPN has been running kind of, uh, you know, old Lakers Celtic stuff ad nauseum. <laughs> the theme parks have been shut down. ABC must be taking an ad shock. Uh, uh, movie theaters are shut down. I just really want to get my head around what you would be telling a Disney right now. Uh, you know, this is so, it seems like, how, how do you even plan for something like this? Well, planning for it can be challenging because I don't think any of us really have planned for this particular type of crisis. Uh, maybe we should have, but we haven't. And it's, it's very obvious that our federal officials haven't. Uh, but I will say what you can do about it is you've got to stop uh, thinking about what do we say to the public and start thinking about what do we do for the public. The shift that is happening in branding in general is a shift 
that's going from just words carrying a brand along to actions uh, being the driver of brand. And when we see brands like Patagonia stepping up and doing positive things in the world, we're measuring that brand by its actions and not by its words. In the, in the world of Disney, they've built an enormous empire on entertainment, um, and that empire right now is completely on hold. Um, every sporting event has been canceled. The parks are shut down. They own cruise lines. Those aren't, let's not even talk about those. There's not a lot they're going to be able to do with any kind of advertising to coax the public into consuming any media. Their online media should be doing pretty well because all of us are sitting home watching reruns. But, but for the rest of their empire, they're going to have to take a pause. But what they can do is they can think about what are the things we could do for the public that has supported us for decades right now in this time of crisis that might be meaningful or valuable to them. And where we are seeing really acts of great uh, leadership in this crisis is when we're seeing brands and individuals stand up and say, what can I do for somebody else right now? That's right. Indeed, the House of Mouse won plaudits in my house with my daughter for uh, advancing the uh, cinema to DV, uh, the, the cinema to Disney Plus window by three months of uh, Frozen 2. You heard a collective shriek of happiness over the weekend when that decision <laughs> was announced. I mean, obviously, people aren't going to movie theaters, but you have to be able to have that flexibility to port from one medium to another because everybody is, is being forced to be nimble in this respect. Now I know what that high-pitched shriek of young girls' voices was. <laughs> Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. You're listening to Kelly O'Keefe and Matt Williams there with Brand Federation, one of the nation's largest networks of independent, on-demand marketing consultants. We're doing our best to keep the audio on this and, and the, the social distancing and whatnot up to uh, snuff. They are indeed uh, kind enough to join us during this uh, time of crisis and the coronavirus pandemic. Again, I want to reiterate to the listener that I at no point want to sound mercenary. I'm not, uh, you know, out there telling you which stocks to buy to profit from this or or how to how to get ahead in the world while while your neighbors are suffering. But I have to imagine Kelly and Matt that you're looking at a moment like this as you're looking ahead to a deluge of people who are going to be. Uh, remaindered or laid off or otherwise uh, available for gig work as agencies have to let go of people as uh, chief marketing officer departments as, as fortune 500 companies have to do it it's going to be a hirers market for what you guys do yeah i think there's some truth to that robin i you know i think at the other, on the other side there's a there's an economic shock that's coming that's going to resonate for a very long time where you know mm. consumer confidence is going to go down spending is going to go down disposable income is going to go down it's 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 a it's not a pretty picture I, you know to the extent that it that it that it frees up some talent who who may be able to to work with us uh, as part of our network that's that's great but um gosh i i i sure wouldn't ask for it so this has been going on for quite some time. If you've had people taste free agency, there's been a new currency to working uh, from home. WeWork was until recently a very attractive company. I mean, it used to be much more of a FaceTime culture, but with ubiquitous Wi-Fi and telecommuting and Zoom, it's much easier to be a kind of a, uh, a, a hired mercenary. I've, I've, you know, I know great journalists and strategists working out of Portland, Oregon. I mean, people in Bend, Oregon, uh, people in Miami, uh, weird area codes that you see. Uh, Talk about that kind of being something that I think was birthed out of the the disruption of the Great Recession and the huge spike in unemployment we saw 11 years ago. 
Well, I think that's probably when we really started to see the rise of this independent economy show up on our shores. Um, we also had the advances of technology, which have made it eminently possible to work from anywhere for anyone on any project. And so what we've seen are that all over the country and all over the world, there are these really brilliant strategists um, who work in our field as well as those who work in other fields. And they are living the life they want to live. They're working the hours they want. They're making the money they want to make. Um, they're choosing the projects they work on because they're very good at what they do. And the world doesn't know where to find them. And uh, we have seen this rise of this independent economy for some time. It used to be that if you were a really big Fortune 500 company, you wanted to hire a big agency or a big firm to do your work. Today, those same big companies realize, if I just hire this individual, I can have a direct relationship with the person who's doing the heavy lifting on the work. And instead of getting passed down to the junior team, I'm actually across the table from someone who can really help my business. So I think on both sides of the equation, the people who need talent and the people who have it, we're seeing a whole new way of working arise. And actually, it's, it seems to be arising right at the right time. Uh, I tell you, Robin, the other thing that's happening there is that, that yes, there are people who are going to be thrown out of work by the shock who are going to look to freelancing work to, to kind of fill the gap. But the, more than that, the people that we're, that, that we're finding are great members of our network are people who are choosing to be independent strategists by choice. Um, they could work at any number of agencies or marketers, but they choose to work independently because they're good enough to do it. You know, there, there was a time when freelance simply meant I'm out of work and I'll work freelance until I get another job. And that's, that's, not, that's really not what's happening with our network. What we're finding is people who are choosing to work independently and are taking advantage of Brand Federation to do it. Matt Williams, walk me through the value proposition of that when you are sitting down with a prospective you know, let's say fractional CMO or a person who could parachute into a startup situation as a as a seasoned branding executive who can offer, you know, affordable fractional help to uh, a company with kind of limited runway. Uh, wh what's in it for that uh, freelancer? What are you providing? Are you providing health insurance? Are you providing back office? Are you taking care of all the, you know, the IRS documentation, Michigas? Yeah. So there's a backroom benefit that we offer. And, and you know, everybody who's ever worked freelance hates billing and they hate invoices and, you know, they forget to send them and they hate tracking down payments from clients who might be late. And, and we handle all that. So we handle all the backroom billing. Um, we handle all the accounts receivable risk. So what we end up doing is going to a to an independent consultant and saying, hey, we have a we have a project we want to put you on. It's got it's let's say it's three months long. It's going to pay you X. And instead of you having to take the accounts receivable risk for that project, we're going to take it and we're going to give you a monthly payment of one third of that amount every month for three months. Uh, and that's a huge burden lifted off the backs of, of, of folks in our network. So there's a there's a mechanical benefit. In, in terms of working with Brand Federation. But more than that, um, there's also a benefit that we will connect them with projects that uniquely fit their set of skills. Um, and we will team them up with other people in the network so they can take on projects that might be bigger than they can handle on their own. Sure. 
Um, the other thing that happens is that when you talk to people who work freelance, you find out that they love the independence of it, but that it can be kind of a lonely existence. You know, you're you're in your home office or in your 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 little office space, and you know you're alone a lot. And and what gosh, hold that thought for hold that because I'm so lonely right now. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of Jerry Rafferty. Um, just miss my friends. Uh, just 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 that. Let me cry on your shoulder. You for can a minute, call us anytime, right? I've had I've had such a taste of this for the past week. <laughs> and it's driving my friends nuts. I just post on Twitter, I miss all of you. I love all of you. I can't even be in studio with you guys out of out of Persian deference and self-effacement, of well, course. Well, you just but, need to um, get into the marketing consulting business and you can join the Brand Federation Network and solve that problem. So well, as an independent contractor myself, I mean, Matt, you're familiar in the six years that it took to kind of build this show and whatnot. And it's been a lonely thing, and I've sought out you know, it's nice to share notes with people. It's nice to go to the gather spots or the WeWork spaces and see all these other similar uh, characters from the Wookiee bar as me and, and, and commiserate and, and kind of share notes. Well, exactly. And, and, and when you join our network, you join a community of people that you have open access to. So if you want to kick ideas around or brainstorm solutions for clients, you can, you can reach into the network and do that. Uh, and that's, that's not a small thing for somebody who's working independently and on their own. Have you ever tried fear and loathing on LinkedIn? It's it's a it's a self oh it's a self awful awful exercise. Where you sit around with some whiskey and see people saying that they're humbled about this accolade. But I digress. I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure we can help you with that, Robin. I just need help right now. This is a cry to the world. Uh, <laughs> I do want to get I do want to get a sense for that receivables risk. I know this is some arcana, but talking to people right now, independent consultants. I know people who work as consultants in the cruise ship industry. They are in a crunch right now, a, a payables, receivables crunch where they have contractors to pay. The big company is extending terms of, of payment. Uh, the federal government is trying to intervene by providing small business loans and liquidity. How do you guys hedge against something like that? How are a couple of partners uh, able to come in and take that off the, the freelancer's shoulders? Well, it starts with uh, making sure that you're maintaining a really good process for uh, qualifying the the client to make sure that the client can actually afford to pay the bills, to take them through a proper contracting process, to set up the terms properly, to have the relationships with the, the people in accounting department to make sure that we're uh, covered with all of our paperwork. And those are all kind of the disciplines that go into making sure that you're a, a strong and solvent company. They come with big companies. They don't come with independent freelancers. So. It's very hard for individuals to have that level of rigor in their processes. One of the things that we try to do is do all the heavy lifting on the processes from collections to project management to client management uh, and, um, and detail-oriented things like proofing and transcriptions so that our, our consultants can just do what they do best, which is uh, bring great ideas to life for our clients. Um, and we love to allow them to work with other peers that, that are similarly big thinkers, the best in their business, um, because what we find is the camaraderie when, when great people get together with other great people uh, makes the work better. It makes their lives better. Everybody gets happy. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. You're listening to Kelly O'Keefe and Matt Williams. They're with Brand Federation, one of the nation's largest networks of independent on-demand marketing consultants. We're trying to get a sense for where the industry, uh, the very disrupted industry, the advertising and marketing industries are headed right now amid this coronavirus pandemic. 
Uh, can you give me a sense for, you know, if you get the calls now from executives that you've worked with that are facing, let's say, let's say it's a Fortune 500 chief marketing officer that's saying, OK, we're now looking at significant uh, cuts to our ad agency, you know, agency of record budget. What can you do for me, brand federation? What kind of what kind of uh, uh, arrows do you have in your quiver? Give me a sense for kind of the diversity of talent. So if if a CMO calls us and 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 says coming out of this of this crisis, let's just take this moment in time for an example. Coming out of this crisis, we need to think about how our brand behaves, what our brand means, how we communicate to the people that are important to us. We will we'll meet with that CMO, understand exactly what the business problem is and the scope of the assignment might be, and we can reach into that network and assemble the right team of people to answer her issue, right? And maybe that team is made up of a senior level experienced brand strategist. Maybe it's a digital experience planner. Maybe it's a media planner. Maybe it's a a consumer research expert. We have all these different strategic disciplines represented in our network of over 200 people, and we can assemble not just the right collection of discipline experts. We can make sure those people have the right category experience and have the right kind of situational experience. So maybe they've helped brands through crises like these in the past. Um, so th- that's a that's a level of expertise and kind of custom built teams that they won't get from most consulting agencies or most ad agencies. And there are very niche little categories that that no ad agency is ever going to be able to have on staff, like uh, naming experts, um, uh, people who do analytics on social media in in certain ways that that we can have because we're spreading that person across dozens of clients, um, but that are really hard to find. If you're a client, it's hard to find people who do some of this work. How important is FaceTime, actual FaceTime? I'm not talking about the iPhone, iPad app right now. Uh, with these with these big uh, you know payable accounts, uh, that they expect to see these executives in their office in person. Uh, airport closures be damned. That somebody has to get in a car and drive from say Northern Virginia to Denver. Well, here's a really cool thing, Robin. You know, long before this crisis made us all um, introverts, we saw that our clients were starting to migrate more and more toward holding Zoom meetings instead of putting people on planes, to working with um, remote software that can help them manage their projects and manage the details and the data uh, at a distance. So our whole business has been built on a remote workforce to begin with, and it's becoming more and more remote. I think one of the things we're all going to see as a society when things get back to normal, if they get back to normal, and I'm an optimist, so I'll say when, I think a lot of us will still be working this way. Some people are actually saying, hey, this is not bad. I'm, I'm doing Zoom meetings five times a day with clients and colleagues from my living room. It's not too bad. Now, I'm not suggesting there isn't a place for that face-to-face meeting. And we certainly have had them, especially when, when, things, when we're working on significant projects and we need to really get with people. But I will say that um, we're all seeing that the technology is getting better and better at us being able to work remotely. And this broadcast is an example of that. Couldn't be done this way years ago. Now these things are relatively routine. Uh, Give me other examples of of kind of peculiar engagements that you would think that a a giant ad agency or an in-house brand apparatus wouldn't have been nimble enough to handle. You know, without um, 
naming clients. Uh, you know, we work with a, a huge and respected educational organization on uh, establishing the alignment of a number of their brands uh, that are very innovative but uh, but needed some reconsideration. We've worked with uh, national uh healthcare provider that's in the cancer space on spinning off new brands from their portfolio doesn't really involve any advertising. It does involve really sound strategic thinking to determine what the best way to position and package these new brands are, how to name them, how to set up the messaging strategies. We've worked with um, transportation companies on uh, reconciling mergers and acquisitions with energy companies on helping to think through how to communicate sustainability initiatives. We've worked on innovation initiatives for a wide variety of companies. We read named companies, uh, handled um, uh, global nonprofit organizations that are trying to improve the quality of the services that they're giving to the world and need to find a way to give voice to their efforts so they generate more support. So they're really a so much variety in the kind of work we're doing. Matt, going back to the Martin Agency days, uh, you know, I, I didn't know you as as early as 2008, 2009. How did you handle the uh, the pull, the tug of, you know, uh, companies being terrified, uh, you know, revenue kind of falling off a cliff? And at the same time, you having to be a manager, you weren't, uh, you know, on, on creative campaigns as much. But holding the hands of, of of staff at the agency who were terrified of, of losing their jobs. I mean, say people relocated to Virginia from Austin or from New York or somewhere for this job, and suddenly one account disappears. Um, time was that if that account was gone, your job was gone, your city is gone, you're kind of out of luck. You have to go and reinvent. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I, I think the agency world still works largely like that, which is is hard. makes it It makes it a, a difficult business to work in sometimes. And you know, two thousand eight was really, really tough, and people were scared um, because the you know the business model of the advertising agency business is such that if the revenue goes away, the money to pay many salaries will go away with it. And and people know that they sign up for it when they join the industry, but. I think it's incumbent on the leadership of of any company, whether you're an agency or a marketer or a widget company, no matter what you are, to to know that these kinds of times scare the heck out of your people. And, and it's your job to over-communicate with them and to be clear with them about where the company stands, what your challenges are, what you're doing as a manager to address those challenges, um, and, and, and be as honest and open and sometimes vulnerable as you can be with those people. They You owe it to them. Uh, as their leader. It doesn't mean everything's going to be okay because everything may not be okay for everybody. Uh, it probably won't be. But but I think that the key to those kind of situations is simply to be honest and communicate clearly and often. You know, Kelly, uh, until recently, you were with the Brand Center, which is where I believe I, I met you. That was the program at VCU that the very uh, respected, esteemed program that sends creative problem solvers into the business world and it's it's planted people what at the NBA at various uh, corporations at NGOs, uh, I I my heart breaks for students that uh, are kind of missing out on these final three four months of their school year, especially if you're about to graduate, and you're 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 looking at an abyss. You're everything is about to fall off a cliff. Everybody is postponing job offers. You're going to see unemployment shoot up. You're going to see uh, veteran workers compete for jobs that uh, 20-year-olds and 22-year-olds would have gotten. 
what kind of advice can you impart onto creatives? Because I see on the one end, uh, corporations are going to be, and, and Matt, you know, chime in as well here. Corporations are going to be restricted in, in, in programs. They're going to pull back and the like. But if you are a resourceful student, if you're a, a student who knows how to hustle, if you've been in the gig economy, uh, it could potentially down the road spell opportunity. Yeah, I, I actually just got off the phone or a Zoom meeting with uh, one of our Brand Center alumni um, just today uh, talking about this. The students are pretty concerned. Who wouldn't be? Uh, the the economy that they're about to graduate into is troubled, and they're not going to have a traditional graduation. A lot of their classes have been canceled and moved online. So it's a very awkward time for those students. However, uh, I think long term, they're, they're going to be fine. That's the advice I would have. What we've seen in 2008, what we saw in 911, what we saw in the dot-com crash of 2000 is that the economy tanked for a while. It always comes back. And um, if you are young and nimble and resourceful, as you say, you'll get by. I do think we're going to see more people taking advantage of freelance opportunities in the short term. And, um, and those freelance opportunities hopefully will still be out there in abundance. They are today. I think we'll take, see people maybe not take their favorite job. Those folks who were just dying to go to work for Coca-Cola or Wyden and Kennedy might have to compromise their standards to take the job that's available to them today versus waiting for that ideal job. Um, and some of them, it's going to take a lot longer to find that job. But what we saw with the Brand Center students in 2008 is even though it did take longer, as the economy started to pick back up, they were all getting placed in great roles, and, and many of them are in extraordinary jobs right now. So um, maybe it comes with age, but you can see past these things to the other side. And I do think there's, uh, there's a day that we'll all enjoy together when we start to see this crisis fade, whenever that happens. Uh, people will be coming back out of their houses, back into the streets, back into the restaurants, and I think we may well see the kind of post-crisis boom that we saw when veterans came home from World War II and started mm. to build a boom economy at that time. And, and like that time, we may see another baby boom because when people are all staying at home with nothing to do, well, stuff happens. Yeah, they're already calling them what quarantines. People in thirteen years will be called quarantines. Get it? Oh, you heard it here jokes. first. We have just coined that era. I love it. I've uh, I've I've absolutely optimized my dad joke game this year. My my kids want to kick me out into the streets, but I digress like I normally do. Yeah. I still want you to wear the Professor O'Keefe hat while you still retain some of that. Um, retinue or residue, if if you will. If I'm sitting in on an informational interview with you or a person who's about to graduate or recently graduated is finding themselves out of work, how do you create this kind of inspector gadget type Swiss Army knife candidate, uh, all in one problem solver that would appeal not just to brand federation, but to companies? I mean, give me an idea. Is it a person who could come in and uh, program, record, cut tape, uh, no social media. What, what, what's involved nowadays? We are looking at the Brand Center. We're really, um, and I say we, uh, as you know, I've just recently retired from the Brand Center, but stay active and involved with the students. But the ideal student today is a hybrid. They are somebody who has strategic strength, but they also have some creative skills. 
they're somebody who is capable of of leading and managing, but they're also willing to get down on their hands and knees and do the dirty work. Um, and I think those hybrid students who have learned to be ambidextrous, they can easily work with multiple media, multiple channels. Those are the students who are thriving, even in this kind of economy. It's really what we're trying to breed, and we're seeing more and more fusion of the program so that every student is walking out of there with a wide variety of skill sets. And Van Graves, the director of the Brand Center, is really keen on making sure that the Brand Center in the future is a place where a multi-skilled, multi-talented student is going to come out and be able to adapt to what is an ever-changing world. Matt, what would you say to that student? You know, if you think about it from an employer's point of view, you know, this 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 time we're going to be going into in the economy is going to be tough. It's going to be really difficult, especially for young people coming out of graduate schools or coming out of undergraduate schools. The ones that make it through and the ones that stick in this business, the marketing business or the advertising business or even whatever business they go into, are going to be the ones who have the greatest reserves of the most important qualities that an employer looks for. They're going to be resilient. They're going to be passionate about the business that they're in. And they're going to have the kind of hybrid skills that Kelly's talking about. If they don't have a heck of a lot of all three of those things, they're not going to make it. And the ones that do make it are going to be incredibly good. And if I'm an employer, I'm going to be looking for those. So what else are you seeing right now? I mean, in the haze of, of what is going on, share some nuggets with our listeners, things that, that I mean, obviously, this is only... Uh, starting to truly emanate. As recently as three weeks ago, we were at an all-time high in the stock market. I think the conventional wisdom was Bernie Sanders was marching to the Democratic nomination. Uh, the economy was indefatigable that this was going to be a minor annoyance. Uh, Donald Trump was tweeting about the stock market and the economy. The world really uh, is, is convulsing and is changing overnight. The stock market has fallen a good 25% since um, you're seeing uh, companies, all manner of companies, airlines, restaurants, hotels, cruise ship operators plead with the federal government for uh, emergency backstops. What else are you guys seeing in the trenches? I think we're seeing humanity rise to its highest level. I, I think sometimes we have to reach into the depths to determine just how strong we are and how charitable we are and how compassionate we are. So we're seeing people who are buying gift certificates for restaurants they frequent because they want to make sure that that restaurant is still in business when they're allowed to reopen their doors and they care about those workers. Instead of worrying about, can I afford that money? Am I going to have money in a few months? They're using their money to make sure that other people have a hand. We're seeing associations, trade associations, drop their dues so that their members mm. can still be informed, still be helped, but not have to pay when they're going through difficult times. I think we're seeing... Um, Corporations say, how can we help our employees to be safe, to be healthy, and um, to get through this crisis? Uh, and I think what, what we will continue to see, and I think we will see more of it in the weeks to come, is um, a combination of individuals at their best and organizations that are recognizing this is not a time to be self selfish. This is not a time to worry about the bottom line. It's really a time to say, what can we do to help ease other people during this crisis? You know, every brand, Robin, talks about having brand values and brand behaviors. And, and times like these are when those values really show. And, and what I'll be watching for 
um, as a marketing strategist who's interested in watching how brands behave in the world is how will brands manifest those values that they say over and over again are so important to them because it's when times are tough when times are tough is when those values matter and it's when they show mm -hmm. and it's when brands who truly live those values that they talk so much about um, that's what's going to happen now the values that they that, that that they really hold are going to be are going to be shown for all the world to see and if those values are the kind that Kelly's talking about with putting people first and doing what they need to do to make sure we get through this together as human beings um, if those are the values that come through here those brands are going to be the ones that that rise to the top in this tough time. Matt Williams, I, I remember some of your writing here. You, you wrote about the independence economy. I'm quoting, for many people over many generations, the American dream meant going to school, working hard to graduate, and pulling in a good job with a big company, one that would take care of you and your family for 30 plus years with a steady paycheck and great benefits. And at the end of your tenure, a pension and a gold watch. For better or for worse, those days are over. As corporate profits get squeezed and pressure on quarterly earnings trumps long-term planning, the expectations of reciprocal loyalty between knowledge workers and their Fortune 500 employers are long gone. More and more workers, talented, experienced, productive, are either being let go or opting out of corporate America. And once they leave, they decide to never go back. If we extrapolate this going out the next several years, coming out of this shock, there are going to be uh, uh, hundreds and thousands of more people who realize that this is something that they'd rather uh, do as opposed to get back on the treadmill and, and compete with 50 other people to climb, I guess, what the CMO ranks or the C-suite ranks. But there are problems in this, Matt, in that um, I and I would love to hear what your employees, what your contractors, what your freelancers tell you about the lack of, of scaffolding of backstops, be it be it quality health insurance or alternatives for people who don't have 401ks and the like uh, withholding help. There, there are many pieces that are missing kind of uh, in this in this broad dream of a full independence economy. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and it's, it's part of what we're trying to do with Brand Federation is to provide some of that superstructure that, that people can build those, those kind of careers around. We can't do everything that a Fortune 500 company can do. Um, we're trying to do more and more every day. Uh, but I, but I, I think that that the economy is shifting so fundamentally and so quickly that the that the, the the embedded infrastructure of the traditional way to work just hasn't been able to keep up quite yet. It will. It's going to have to shift. If you if you if you type in freelance marketing strategist into LinkedIn, you get eight hundred and nineteen thousand hits. Robin, the, the, this this independence economy is not going away. And, and it's going to be up to the to the people who pull the strings and build the infrastructure to support those people to to make sure the infrastructure shifts in the ways that are required to help them. Uh, companies like Brand Federation can be part of that, but it's also going to take some legislative shifts and some governmental changes and some regulation changes because the the independence economy is not going away. Um, and 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 we need to help those folks have the kind of lives that that they can have in that new economy. And that that's what we're trying to do. So to the extent that everything seems to be up for grabs legislatively now, what would help you and your mission uh, with with so many freelance workers right now? What would it be? I mean, does, is Obamacare cutting it for you? Do you have people coming to you and saying, I would really feel much more at ease joining your mission and doing it in a kind of a full, wholehearted way if Brand Federation offered robust health insurance, if you offered uh, a 401k plan? What are the things you can do right now and what are some of the policy relief measures that you you yearn for 
Well, what we seek is for the independent worker to have equity, to have the same breaks that a person employed in a corporation has. So what does that mean? It means that, yes, all of our infrastructure in the United States was built around the concept of full-time employment. You work like my father did for Chrysler all his life, his only career. He got his health insurance through Chrysler. He got his retirement through Chrysler. He got his disability through Chrysler. He got his life insurance through Chrysler. All of those things were built into the corporate dream of uh, the American dream. But now we're seeing huge masses who are breaking away from that corporate job to work independently. They have a hard time getting those same things. They can't get group health insurance. Obamacare isn't quite doing it. We haven't really opened up and said, why should this individual have to pay four times as much for their insurance as they just had to pay when they were part of a corporation and a group? Those things are not available to them today. The 401k plans and other things are all built around full-time employment for large organizations. So it is time for us to recognize that a significant portion of our economy, whether you call it a gig economy or an independent economy, is working on their own, and yet they should have the same access to benefits as everyone else does. They're not afraid to pay for them. They just can't even get them in some cases. So I, I think as our economy matures, we need to move in that direction. This crisis will only increase the number of people who are working independently. The dream that that corporation is going to keep you happily employed for 30 years is gone. My father never worried about getting fired from Chrysler because that's not how it went. But today you can work for a corporation on the 20th floor of a building that houses thousands of people and walk in one day and 2,500 of them have just been laid off. That's the way business runs. There isn't loyalty from the corporate world to the individual. There doesn't need to be loyalty for the individual to the corporate world. It's really time, I think, for independents to have the same breaks that anyone else does. Now, what, do, what about the, the much ballyhooed kind of generational expectations, the whole OK Boomer thing between millennials who came of age professionally in the great cataclysm of 08, 09 and, and uh, the, the parents and grandparents who they fault for kind of ruining the system and leaving them uh, uh, destitute and not having uh, uh, living wages and, and saddled with college debt? Do you find that uh, these are the types of workers who are most amenable to your pitch because they, they were kind of... Uh, they came into the workforce in this baptism by fire? You know, I, I think the people who are most amenable to our proposition, Robin, are, are the people who just want to practice their craft. And and they they have learned that craft maybe at a at a at a big agency, maybe at a Fortune 500 marketer, um, maybe they're coming straight out of an amazing program like the VCU Brand Center. But they 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 love the craft of marketing strategy, and they want to practice it, and they want to practice it for brands they feel passionate about with people that they want to be around, and and. Independence gives them the opportunity to make those decisions on a case-by-case -case basis. Is this a project I want to work on? Is this a brand I feel passionate about? Are these people the people I want to spend 12 hours a day with, six days a week, because it's hard work? Um, I think that kind of autonomy is what draws people to working independently. And the people in that group who are drawn to Brand Federation are the people who like to be around people who share that same kind of dedication to working that way. 
and want the support that we can provide them and the flow of work that we can we can provide them. There's a certain kind of – there's an ethic of independence that's really exciting and very autonomous and very uh, very up and coming. It's fun to watch. Well, in the six minutes or so we have left with you, uh, Kelly O'Keefe and Matt Williams of Brand Federation, I would like to um, – we call this free skate, if you will. Back in the day, I'd be at Sunshine Skateway Roller Skating Rink and the DJ would say, all right, couples, free skate, everybody. we got some air supply going on. Uh, you take over the mic and tell me what we should be talking about, what we should be thinking about. I thought I'd get a laugh out of you. No, we're, we're looking at each other trying to figure out who goes first. <laughs> <laughs> no one laughs at my stuff anymore. Not my kids. No one. But anyway, go ahead. It's a tough time. I remember the skating rink. And um, the air supply. <laughs> yeah. I'm all out of love. Go ahead. <laughs> I think we should be talking about the, uh, the sea change in the way the American workforce derives pleasure and fulfillment from the work that they do. Because I, I think, Robin, that's what's underlying the shift in the independent economy is that, that no longer the kind of, the kind of employment that was, that was great and that was, that was good for the time and fulfilling the way Kelly's dad felt fulfilled when he, worked at, when he worked at Chrysler and my dad felt fulfilled when he worked for his Fortune 500 company for 30 years. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a shift in the way people are deriving fulfillment from their work, and it's much more autonomous. It's much more independent. It's much more, it's much more able to make my own decisions on my own time at the time in a way that traditional corporate America might not have allowed. And that's a fundamental shift in ethics and in values and in the way people think about the way they want to live their lives. Um, and that to me is really, really interesting. It's obviously got uh, implications for brand federation, but it has broader implications for the American economy. How do we build work experiences for people who want fundamentally different things from the time they spend at work than, than two or three generations ago or even one generation ago wanted? That's a really interesting question. I think what Matt's talking about actually impacts not just those who choose to work independently, but it's it's a a call for opportunities for large corporations to rethink the work environments they've created. I mean, there are many brilliant, innovative companies, many of wh whom we work with, that have rethought the way that they're providing satisfaction to their employees, providing opportunities for those employees to be entrepreneurial in their thinking, to be a little bit more self-directed in their work. And when they give them a little bit more rope, they're actually doing better work um, quick, more quickly than ever before. So I, I think, the opportunity for people to be a little bit more self-directed in their work, that's a, that's a natural human instinct that we're finally recognizing both in the independent world and in the employed world for those enlightened employers who see the writing on the wall. We wanna control our lives. We wanna be able to do the kind of work that we dream of doing. Um, people don't quit jobs because they're overutilized, they often quit jobs because they're underutilized, because they can't do the kind of work they'd like to do, because they feel like their best work is getting sidelined while they go through mundane, more bureaucratic procedures. And I think what we're seeing is a change, both with those who've chosen to live an independent lifestyle and with those who've chosen to build corporations and businesses that respect the individual magic that comes when people are working in a fulfilled way. It's funny, Robin. I had a conversation with a, with a friend of mine who runs the Entrepreneurship Center 
which is a brand new capability at a major university uh, here in Virginia. And he built this thing about six months ago. And in the last six months, he's had over 500 students sign up to be part of the Entrepreneurship Center. And the vast majority of them don't go to the business school. And, and I think it speaks to the point Kelly's making, which is that this entrepreneurship, this drive to be independent and make my own decisions and create something that's never been seen before um, is something that's pervasive in the, in the, in the upcoming generation, the, the generation that's moving into the business world. And it's going to be incumbent on all businesses, big and small, to figure out how they need to change to harness the creativity of that group because it's going to be amazing and unstoppable if – the corporations that hire those those young people who have that drive can make the most of it. If they can make the most of that and change the way they work to harness it, they will win. And very quickly, uh, this is the first true test for you guys from a, a, an economic and secular perspective, and it's a huge one. This is uh, a, an enormous meteor crashing into the economy, into the planet right now, metaphorically. Uh, how well are you stress tested? How well capitalized are you? How well do you think these these uh, these freelance bonds, these virtual binds will hold? Well, we're like every other employer in America right now uh, and every other company in America right now. We are stressed, being stress tested, and there's a little bit more stress than test right now. Um, None of us know how long this will last. None of us know how deep this will go. But I'll tell you, in our own meetings, we feel like uh, we have not only the capital, uh, the client base, and the resources to press on, we have the determination to press on. We're excited about the business. We're responsible for a lot of some of the most talented people that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. And um, we're confident that we'll be able to get through um, right now, the business has maintained a, a very good place. But um, if if we were on this show and we were saying, "Hey, we're not worried about a thing," people should rightly think we're insane. It's a it's a challenging time. <laughs> well, I'll leave you with a, a message of hope and optimism. When we do get the all clear, uh, and and you know, God willing, all of this stuff clears away and and the fda and the cdc whoever says it's, it's okay to go out again i will show up at your swank scott's edition studio and avail myself of your stella's house account and drink all the free Lacroix and and uh kombucha in your fridge and uh you know freeload of the uh the culture we look forward to that day robin come on over open invitation robin <laughs> no thank you guys for coming on i appreciate it it's not exactly easy to do this week thanks for having us thank you very much Kelly O'Keefe and Matt Williams of Brand Federation, one of the nation's largest networks of independent on-demand marketing consultants, joining us from downtown RVA. Full disclosure, our engineer is John Valentine. You can enjoy this show on NPR member station VPM News on the trusty NPR One app. Never have I needed it so badly as I have during this pandemic. Definitely download NPR One. And of course, on Apple Podcasts at link fulldradio.com. Hey, everybody, we're in this together. I'm Robin Farzad, back with you next week. Bye.